welcome to Bible Harmony, Call to Action. Let's pray. Our precious Father, we thank you so much for all your many blessings to us and how often we fail to thank you and to love you like we should. I pray, Father, that this lesson, though live and online, will affect people and cause change that I can't make happen. Only the Word of God and the Holy Spirit can cause to happen. So I ask that, Holy Spirit, you would work in lives and give me the exact words you would have me to say. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you so much for this lesson. In Jesus' name we pray and with thanksgiving. Amen. Okay. Looking through the Hebrew lens at words they used and what they mean will be different from our own view of words. We have seen this before in these lessons. So let me give you a picture word right away. Love. And we use love crazily in the English language. I love chocolate. I love hamburgers. I love my shoes. They're comfortable. We love, love, love. But is that really the correct thought about love? Love, the picture word. Now, the picture word is the meaning behind the word love. The picture word is the meaning that makes up. It's the letters that make up the word love. It means the Father revealed. The Father revealed. He reveals himself how? As mean and hateful and vindictive and judgmental? No. He reveals himself as what? The Father revealed. That's what love means. The Father revealed. God is love. He will not change. That is his fundamental trait of our Father. If you do not know that fact, all the rest of knowing God will not be clear to you. Everything else in the Bible I'm talking about will not be clear to you if you don't look at it through the lens of God is love. It is through the lens of love that you must see your Father. This lesson is experiencing the peace of God. Well, we learned a couple of weeks ago in the podcast, name, that's a capitalized name. Do you see that? Name. They did not want to say Yahweh, so they instituted putting the word name in its place. But the word name means destroy the chaos. Hence, uh, when you look at the last podcast, you'll know why that is important. Uh, Jehoshaphat called on the name to come and help them. Why? He wanted somebody to destroy the chaos. That's what name means. Shem means destroy the chaos. Do you see it? But peace is what we're talking about today. Peace is the word what? Shalom. Shalom. The picture word behind the name shalom is destroy the authority that establishes chaos. This is very important, especially from some of the conversations we've had tonight. If you've got chaos going on, there's only one person that can destroy it. And we'll talk more about it. So shalom means destroy the authority 
that establishes chaos. So often we just want to mop up the water instead of going to the source and fixing the leak. I'm bad about that. I don't know about you. We don't need to live like that, though, always patching up messes uh, in our mind. Let Shem, your father, be the source of your life and love and fix the sources of the mess. We look at the Bible from our own lenses of past experiences. Some of these are good, but some of these are bad. how we were treated as children by our parents. We relate directly to how we perceive our Heavenly Father. Is that making sense to you? Do you understand that comment? It need, you need to understand it. Are our previous religious experiences, and my goodness, that list could go on and on. In other words, our own life experiences can distort the meaning of many words. We need to clean up the lenses and consider a new, fresh look at many scriptures. Well, I got some new glasses a while back, <clears throat> and it seemed to me when I was looking through them that things were a little fuzzy, just a little distorted, and the longer I wore them, the more they agitated me. And so I didn't know if it was the lenses or if it was my eyes. I didn't know what it was, so I broke down and went to the eye doctor last week and told him the problem and see if, if what was going on. Was it my glasses were made wrong or is my eyes changed? And yeah, I'd had COVID and da-da-da. And he said, no, the glasses are fuzzy because they're too strong for you, for your far vision and some of your close-up vision. So they're being corrected but a lot of times we look at things in life and they're just a bit fuzzy to us. I want you to consider in these eight lessons the action that you should adopt in your own life. Now, I don't want to tell you how, to, how you should act as a result of the lesson, but for you to just let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit change your thinking. Now, I used to do, and please do mark some of the the words that mean something to you, I used to say, okay, here is your list of things to do today as a result of the lesson. Not going to do that. I want the Holy Spirit and I want the Word of God to do the work. I want Him to cause change because you might change for a week for me because you know next week I'm going to ask you maybe, but I don't want that. I want it to be a permanent change in you. What comes into our heart comes by way of our mind. And that comes, um, I'm sorry, what comes into our heart comes by way of our mind. And what comes into our mind comes from our senses. Touch, see, hears. These thoughts will come into your mind during this lesson. So you're going to have thoughts come into your mind during this lesson. They will come into a contact with stored, hear me now, with stored information already in your mind. Some good, some bad. Sort of like spring cleaning. Ooh, I hate spring cleaning. I hate to throw out stuff. I hate to sort out stuff. I hate to clean up stuff. I just hate spring cleaning. I just want to store it all away. But in the case of my mind, 
I think some things need to be stored far, far away because they affect my daily life and come in direct conflict with God, as we shall see. But it's your choice. Warning. What we will tend to do is to filter a new thought. Hear me now. We tend to filter a new thought through the lens, lenses of stored information, no matter how out of focus it is really to what God is like. Now, from my past experiences, and you heard this from the pulpit, haven't you? Uh, I've had to do a lot of um, sorting out, refocusing, allowing the Holy Spirit to interject thoughts into my mind. And I had to really filter it through God's Word and allow God's Word to speak to my heart. Hence, a conflict arises right up here. I thought it was always like that. You mean you're telling me something different now? Does that happen to anybody in this room besides me? Okay. Hence, a conflict arises. Well, that's what this lesson is about. But this lesson will solve this conflict if you'll let it. I wish I'd had this lesson several years ago, quite frankly. Experiencing the peace of God. Let's add this thought to our mind. Hundreds of times in the Bible, God or an angel tells man not to fear, right? And you can, uh, you can name the different times that God has said, don't fear. He told Joshua, don't fear. He told Moses, don't be afraid. On and on it goes, don't be afraid. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, he said, fear not, fear not. You should not have to fear God the Father, the creator of the universe. Boy, mark it. Remember the word trust, the picture word for trust. If he is your father, he's, you're in his house, you're cared for in every way, and you're fenced in. He's your father. In other words, what is stored in your memory or your mind, you relate to God the Father. You keep that in the forefront of your mind. When fear is in a person's heart towards God, it is clear, and we're at the bottom of three, it is clear that the person in question does not really believe that God loves him with a perfect love. How sad is that? If there is fear, it is because that person is afraid of what God will do to him. He is afraid he will be hurt or rejected by God. This is very prevalent, folks. Here's what God says about the subject, and for those listening, I'm in 1 John 14. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We've said it twice and we're going to say this same statement again. So we have come to know, to know, and to believe. Let me interject right here. Do you see the word and right there? You see that word and? 
In Hebrew, that's the nail that hooks the the and hooks. We've come to know. If you know it, we've come to believe it. They're hooked together. So anytime you see the word and, those two are hooked together. You can't take them apart. Okay? Let me go on. And come to believe the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected, underline that, with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. I'm going to repeat it. There is no fear in love, but perfect, underline it, perfect love cast out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected, underline it, with love. We love because he first loved us. Well, that's important. A person who loves believes that God, that Jesus did, a person who believes what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection should be a life of confident acceptance that is permeated with peace. There should be no torment. There should be no nagging, no sense of guilt or rejection. There should only be peace. Only be peace. Now here's your side note. Did you notice the words perfected, perfect, and perfect in the verse? Yeah, what does that mean? We are talking about love. Perfected love, perfect love. When love is totally functioning, get it now, when love is totally functioning in your mind, it will have its intended results. It will have its intended results. Every religion in the world offers peace to man. Every religion offers peace to man. Christianity is the only one, however, that delivers We are not attempting to achieve a state or a status that will give us peace. We are a people who that has been made right with God through the finished work of one man, Jesus Christ. Because of his finished work, we have been granted peace with God. It's been given to you. Because not everyone knows or believes this wonderful reality. Not every Christian lives in a continual state of peace. Far too many Christians live in torment and turmoil, always fearing that things are not right between them and God. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to that have said that to me. Many people are in mental hospitals today, emotionally unstable, struggling with a fear of not being able to please God. This is the fault of many religions. It is said religion will drive you crazy. Religion is man's attempt to find peace with God. Religion is man's attempt to find peace with God. Christianity, on the other hand, is man's accepting peace with God, and it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
There are many people in churches today that fear seems to be their motivating factor. Their motivating factor. Far too many religious people have represented God negatively, and that has turned people away from God and who God really is. Fear has been passed down from generation to generation. Could write a book about that, folks. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what God has heard, heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. There was no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised. He was rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and spitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, all mankind, from beginning to end. Why? Why did he do that? For God so loved the world he gave. He loved his creation. I want to give you another word, though, and to me it's one of the sadder words in the Bible. It really is. Um, For God so loved the world, in John 3.16, that word love is chava, C-H-A-V. It is a one-way love. It's a one-way love. Have you ever loved someone that didn't love you back? It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. Um, They never announced that they loved you. They never acted like they loved you. They didn't return the love you had for them. That happens all the time every day. It is not a love that is returned. It's a one-way love. You're giving it, but it's not coming back to you. How does that make you feel? Sad, depressed, hurt, and you don't want to reach out and love again, do you? Yeah. Scared to, absolutely. But... There is another word. Um, it's rakem. It's a two-way love. I don't have the whole verse here, but it's in John twenty-one twenty. Jesus was walking in, and the verse is the disciple whom Jesus loved. But if you don't read the next word, you think that's a one-way love too. But these were the disciples. The disciple whom Jesus loved, what was he doing? He was following. He was following. He was right there with Jesus. This is a love that comes back to Jesus. You see, when, and I don't know that you were taught this, 
Were you ever taught to say to God, I love you? Did you ever show God you loved him? Is it just a one-way love, folks, or are we returning his love to him? Returning his love to him. It's not been taught very well. We should be returning our love to him. So what happens is when I say I love you, God, that love circles. From me back to him, it circles. And when I say I love you, and you say you love me, that love circles and it circles, and this whole place should be a bunch of circles of love is what I'm trying to say to you. Does that make sense to you? It should not be divisive. Do I have to agree with everything he does and says is right or wrong? No. But I should love him. I should love each one of you. We should love each other, and that should be the thing that we are known for. It should permeate this place. But we've got to start with loving him and telling him. How sad could you think God feels? How many people have gotten saved and gone on their merry way, and I'm ad-libbing, gone on their merry way and never thanked God and said, I love you, Father, for what you did. Do you understand what it took for Jesus to go to the cross and die? Everything you have, he's given to you. You don't have righteousness. He gave you righteousness. He gave you standing. You are a king and a priest to God for an eternity. And yet, okay, well, that's enough. I've got to go now. No, I'm so bandstanding on this because we have not expressed, and I understand part of it and I don't want to go into it, but we haven't expressed love. And it probably wasn't expressed maybe to you or your generations before you. And I can tell you and explain to you why, but I don't have time for now. God's report is good. Not one of fear, but freeing, freeing you. Loving, kind, merciful, generous. And yet man refuses to believe it. And I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about us and those of you that are listening to this. Those who reject this report, many of you will spend a lifetime trying to please God and ultimately just walk away. If you ask the person on the street, and I've done this before, what do you think about God? They'll say he's angry and they're afraid of him. That's the general consensus of opinion in our country today. We're not doing something right, are we? We're not reflecting that love so it would be reflected to other people out here in the world. So since they don't think they can please God, they just walk away and go do their own thing. Religions of the world seek to control. You've got to do this, this, and this. They control the people. God came to set you what? Free. You are free. Let me read you some verses, and I'm taking these from random places if you're listening on podcast. 
great peace have those who love your law. Is that you? Nothing can make them stumble. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, look at the ands, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Do you see how they're hooked together? That's a nail. That's what the sign is. I'll show it to you. Well, you can see it on some of your words I've given you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now, people that don't believe don't have the joy and the peace. Do you see that? So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. My, we of all people should have so much hope today. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. I think that's in 1 Corinthians, so you'll be probably hearing a sermon about that for long. He's not a God of confusion. And I don't know if I have it in my notes to follow, but let me put it right here since I can't remember if I've got it over here or not. If you have peace in your mind and all of a sudden a thought comes to you that just doesn't fit, it brings confusion. It doesn't bring peace. It brings chaos. Just a little thought into your mind. If you'll just be sensitive to that, you'll realize that's not from God. Somebody else is putting that thought into your mind, okay? God is not the God of confusion, but of peace. Don't let him take it from you. Satan wants to take the peace from you. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim at restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And the peace of God which passes all understanding. You can't even understand how you could be at peace sometimes. I'm at peace with all that's going on in the world right now. Is it all going to hell in a handbag? Oh, yeah, but I'm at peace about it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I told you I would do that. Um, but I'm at peace about it. You know, why? Because God's got it. He's got me. No. You just do what you should be doing and be the light that you should be. Okay, let me see. Um, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, and what's that peace going to do? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard. That's like a soldier standing guard. And that's what I'm saying to you when something took some peace away from you, that's not of God. So question marks should go off. Blinkers should flash. And you should check out, why is that happening to me? Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, honorable, just, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there be any excellence, if there be anything worth praise, think about these things. Yeah, get your mind off of the negative, and that's me. I can be negative Nelly, and put them on positive things. What you have heard, learned, I'm sorry, what you have learned, look at the and, 
learned, received, heard, and seen. You see them all hooked together? They all go together. In the Hebrew, you can't learn anything that you haven't received, and you can't receive it until you've heard it. And when you've heard it, um, you've seen it. And then what you should do is practice. They all hook together. You can't separate them out in the Hebrew language. I know this is in the New Testament, but it's in Aramaic, which is so kin to Hebrew. Practice these things. Practice them. Oh, you mean i got to work at it? Oh, I think you do. If you're like me, you do. You have to work at it a little bit. And the peace of God will be with you. May grace and peace, notice they're hooked together, be multiplied, multiplied, not just one or two, multiplied. Four times four is multiplied, multiplication to you in knowledge. You've got to have knowledge of God. That's why I'm saying to you, that's why I've given you so many verses. You have to have this knowledge in here to counteract some of the stored up knowledge that we have to replace it with. And that's true. The finished work of Jesus on the cross and the working of the Holy Spirit in our life frees us from fear. You know, preacher said a few weeks ago, and he he said it, but then passed over it. And it's like when the cross was put in place, for Jesus, it was like he's staking his claim once again to planet Earth. His kingdom is here. We're part of it. But unfortunately, there's another kingdom here also. And it is Satan's kingdom. But we need to be about letting our kingdom become stronger. It is stronger. It is stronger. And we need to let people know it is stronger. We shouldn't hide in the corner and say, just let them take it off. No, you stand up for what is right, especially what's going on in our government and our school systems. And I could go on and on about that. Don't let fear rob you of your relationship with God. That is the most important relationship that you could have. He's your heavenly father. Don't let that relationship be robbed. God has a mission, and the Word of God tells us of His plans so that you can know and experience His great steadfast love, acceptance, and peace. But you must believe the report God gives about the finished work of Jesus. There's nothing left to be done. It is a good report. It is a report of peace. This is how we live in the king, the kingdom life, which was his mission for mankind. All of eight of these lessons are going to circle back around to these same thoughts over and over again and keep developing for you. And I hope you've enjoyed them. Mm-hmm.